This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org and join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. got up one day, Thor went out into his field to sow the field. He took the seed and he began to spread it all around. He spread it over here and he took some seed and he spread it out over here and took some seed and he spread it out over here and spread it out all over the place. Now we're going to look and see what the Bible has to say about this sower. And so if you want to take your Bibles out, take your seed out, and turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. <laughs> Verse number 1. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word today. You're very fortunate I didn't drive that thing all the way off the end. <laughs> that was my greatest fear this morning. Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got out of the boat and sat on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. When he taught them many things by parables, he said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened that as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, It was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns. Thorns grew up, choked it, yielded no crop. But other crop fell on good ground. It yielded a crop, and some sprang up and increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100. Who has an ear, let them hear. Father, today we open up your word of God. I just pray that the seed that goes forth this morning will find good, fertile soil. I pray this morning that the devourer will not come in today and snatch any bit of the seed of the word of God away this morning. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will do your work in our hearts. We ask it in your mighty name. Turn to someone, give them a big hee-haw, and then you may be seated. (laughs) The good sower in the parable is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the one who is the good sower who came into the world. Everywhere the good sower, Jesus Christ, went, he was spreading the seed of the word of God. Now... We can take the good seer, sower and we can apply it to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I will tell you, the good sower should apply to every single one of us. Because we also ought to do like our Heavenly Father did if we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So everyone in this place today who knows the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be a good sower 
of the seed of the word of God. John 20 and 21 says, As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And I want to tell you, God wants every single one of us to be sowers of the seed of the word of God. Amen? The seed is none other than the word of God. Tiny little seeds. But inside there is a living nucleus that is able to bring forth life. Inside a little tiny seed. And the seed of the word of God, this seed has the power to produce everlasting life. Eternal life. They, uh, when archaeologists were going back into the pyramids in ancient Egypt, they found a vase with some seeds in it that were buried in there with the pharaohs. That seed had been buried 3,000 years ago. They took the seed out of that vase and they planted some of that seed. And within just a matter of a few days, it already had begun to sprout. And life came out of that after 3,000 years of being tucked away inside of that vase. I want to tell you, there is tremendous life potential in every single seed of the word of God. John 6 and 63 says, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So the, the, the seed in the parable refers to the life, the word of God. Now, as we look at this parable today, we first got to ask ourselves the question, how do we go about sowing the seed? How do we do what God's called us to do? Well, let me give you just a few things very quickly. Number one, you've got to sow plentifully. Sow plentifully. Scatter the seed widely. Everywhere you go, throw out the seed of the word of God. Uh, You sow it wherever you're at. Uh, Scatter it widely. Sow it. Because you see, the seed in this parable was sown on four different kinds of soils. Uh, It was scattered all over the place. Uh, And so it is when we sow the word of God, uh, we got to sow plentifully. Sometimes in our efficient-minded age, Economy dictates selective sowing of the seed of the word of God. This ought not to be. Particularly when we think about the readiness of certain hearers to hear the word of God. And and we may begin to think to ourselves, you know what? I really don't need to sow any seed there. That's hard ground. They're not going to receive it. They're not going to accept it. We think about nations of the world and you think about the Middle East and trying to reach the Islamic people with the word of God. And in our mind, we may think, you know what, Uh, that's very hard ground. You may think of Central America and South America as very fertile, good ground because there's a great revival going in there. Multitudes are coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, But the Bible says we don't pick and choose where we sow. We sow plentifully. We scatter the seed all over the place. Uh, You see, if we were to sow selectively, the parable would have been called the parable of the good soil. But it's not. We sow all over. Mark 16 and 15 says, go into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. So we sow plentifully. We don't pick and choose uh, where we're going to sow the seed of the word of God. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, we don't pick and choose where we're going to sow the seed of the word of God. Because we don't know what kind of soil we're dealing with. We don't know what's in their hearts. 
We don't know if it's hard or rocky or stony or weedy or, or very good, fruitful ground. Uh, we can't see the heart and we don't know. Uh, and so we keep scattering the seed of the word of God and it's going to land on some good soil. And second, the character of the soil is not irre- irrevocably fixed. And by that I mean that trodden, hard ground uh, can be broken up into softness. That stony ground, those rocks can be plowed up uh, and removed. Uh, the, the weedy ground, you can go in and pull and pluck all the weeds out. Uh, any seed we sow has the potential to be good ground. And so we sow plentifully and we leave the harvest, we leave the results to God. Second, the word of God teaches you we should sow passionately. Sow the seed passionately. Psalm 126 and verse 6, he who sows, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You have the picture of the sower as he's sowing the seeds, weeping over the seed as it goes out, as it's scattered. And he goes forth weeping. And he cries and he prays for the people and he prays for the nations and he prays for the seed and he he prays for the work of God to go out and he goes out weeping. Uh, But the Bible says he sows passionately and he weeps uh, and he cries over the lostness of man. Uh, He will come back rejoicing, uh, bringing back sheaves with him. Uh, And so when we sow the seed of the word of God, we're to sow passionately. And third, we're to sow patiently. Patiently. Galatians 6 and verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Uh, Don't give up. uh, Don't faint. uh, Don't quit. uh, Don't stop sowing the seed of the word of God. uh, Don't grow weary in well-doing, because in due season uh, reaping will come. Don't give up. We never know what God is going to do with the seed of the word of God. And so we sow plentifully uh, and we sow passionately uh, and we sow patiently uh, and we believe that in God, in his time, uh, is going to bring forth a harvest. Can you say amen, church? Look a little later in the chapter, in Mark chapter 6, 4 and verse 26. Mark 4 and 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is, is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And should sleep by night and rise up by day. Then the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. And when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle. Because the harvest has come. Now that farmer, when he goes out and he scatters his seed. The Bible says he lays his head and goes down to sleep at night. Now, when he's sleeping at night, he doesn't know how the germination process of that seed works. The Bible says it grows, but he does not know how it grows. But he doesn't worry, doesn't toss and turn all night long. The Bible just simply says he goes to sleep and he waits 
And then God, through his Holy Spirit, uh, does his supernatural work of grace. uh, And that seed begins to come forth, uh, first the blade, uh, and then the whole head, uh, and then the kernels on top of the head, and the whole thing grows. He doesn't know how it happens. He just has faith in the power of the seed. And so it is in spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We may not know how. We may not know when. We may not know under what circumstances. But we can have faith in the power of the word of God. That God's word will not return void. Let's look again at this parable. I want you to notice that in, in the parable of these four different kinds of soils. There are a couple of constants. We've looked at those already. The sower is the same. It's the same man sowing the seed in every kind of field. We also see that the seed is the same. It doesn't change. It's the same kind of seed from soil to soil. But the one variable in this parable is the quality of the soil. And the quality of the soil makes all the difference. And that's the point of this parable. In fact, it could be called the parable of the four soils because that's the difference, that's the variable in every one of these instances. You see, the human heart has the potential to be a jungle or a garden, depending on the heart itself. If you leave the human heart alone, it will run amok with sin. And it, it, you, it, it will has the potential to become a vacant lot of sin or a junkyard of guilt, or a swamp of pollution left alone, left by itself. And to even be more current in our analogy, it has the potential to be an incredible oil spill of pollution that will kill life and shore and plants and everything it comes in contact with. That is the potential of the heart. It is deceitfully wicked above all things and left all by itself. It will be an oil field of destruction. Or, it can be a fruitful garden, a place of growth and a place of bounty and a place of harvest. The difference, according to the word, according to this parable, is all how the heart receives the word of God. How does the heart take in and receive the word of God? Now, let me set the story up for you. Jesus is sitting on a boat when he's doing this teaching. The word of God told us that. And so he's out in the boat. The crowds have thronged around him. He's teaching from a boat to all the, those on the side of the shore. And he's teaching this parable about the four kinds of soils. But I believe that when he told this parable, he wasn't thinking so much about looking at soil itself when he told this parable because he's out on the water. I believe rather as he looked at the mixed multitude uh, and saw all the different kinds of hearts represented by those who were coming to hear Jesus Christ, uh, that sparked the beginning of this parable. Today there are great multitudes who are interested in religious things. They'll read about it. It's in the bookstores. Churches are coming. Uh, All kinds of religions are springing up. Uh, All kinds of beliefs take place. Uh, In fact, 90% of people in America today say they believe in God. Yet less than 50% say they are born again. And so what we have is a society in America that is very religious today, yet not necessarily born again. 
Now let's, let's talk about these different kinds of soil. Let's take it in the order that Jesus did in this parable. First of all, let's took a look at the wayside ground, and it's found in verse number 4. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Now this box right here, if you can see it, typifies the wayside hard ground. You see the footprints all across this dirt right here. You probably can't see it where you're at, but nonetheless, there are footprints there. This is ground that's been trampled on. This is the main walking path between the fields. Uh, These are people that tromp up and down day after day, uh, going over top of these paths, going through the shortcut, uh, cutting through, trampling on that very hard ground. It is the most traveled on, beaten down path. It is the place that has been stomped on. It is the place that is packed very, very hard. Now jump down, if you would, to verse number 15 in our parable. He explains the significance of this hard ground. And these are those that are sown by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately Come, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word uh, that was sown in their heart. Uh, now, the seed is only safe when it's buried inside of the heart. Otherwise, a flock of hungry, sharp-eyed, quick-flying thieves are, are ready to come down and pounce on the exposed grain. Because it sits on top of the soil. It can't get down into the ground because the ground is too hard. And the seed lays on the surface and the birds come and they snatch away the seed. Now notice the word immediately. The swift disappearance of the seed. In other words, as soon as the preacher's voice is quiet, as soon as the Bibles are closed... You walk out the door and forget everything I just said. Gone. The word's gone. It's done. It's finished. I've I've done my duty. I've been in church. I've heard the nice little message. uh, And now I leave unchanged. And the seed of the word has already been snatched away. Already been plucked away. How how does that soil, how does that, that path get beaten down? Well, it might be through the beaten path of tradition. You see, I believe maybe he had in mind the Pharisees when he talked about the hard ground. Pharisees, very, very religious. Pharisees who kept every letter of the law of God, but never allowed the the word of the Lord Jesus Christ to penetrate into their hearts and into their lives. The gospel could not get in there. And so that religion, uh, that religiosity, uh, that religious spirit, uh, again and again and again, hearing but not acting, uh, hearing but not changing, uh, hearing the word of God, but never receiving it, allowing it to get engrafted into your life. That ground becomes very hard. Uh, The tradition is there. Uh, All the rules are there. All the regulations are there. All the liturgies there. All the motions are in place. The word never gets down in there. It could be the beaten path of every alien thought and wrong philosophy that is continually pounds away at our heart day after day. And so you have the 
pounding of the media and the pounding of television and the pounding of radio and the pounding of the internet uh, infused with violence uh, and pornography and filth uh, and profanity uh, and your heart that was made to be tender and receptive to the word of God has become so hardened by this world by the pounding of every influence that wants to stamp out God out of our lives. I believe some of the hardest people to reach can be religious people. Charles Finney tells the story of when he was preaching and traveling about, preaching from place to place, that when he came into one town, 500 ministers and, and, and lay people came and gathered at the front of that city behind cannons to keep Finney from coming into their town because Charles Finney was preaching on holiness. They didn't want to hear about holiness. Turn to John chapter 12. Verse number 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, we're going back to that seed again, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. For, and where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. Now, when the seed gets into the ground and dies inside the ground, the Bible says then it bears much fruit. Only as it gets into the ground, but what else has to happen? It has to die. Right? Not only does the word of God get into the ground, but it dies. And when it dies, it bears much fruit. Let me tell you, if you are going to come and follow and serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you have got to die to yourself. You have got to give your life up to God and then God is able to come in and transform you and change you. Paul said this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. You see, your life literally changes hands. It changes ownership. And Jesus Christ becomes the head and the Lord and master of your life. And when he does, it produces a love for God and results in a changed lifestyle. You're not the same. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Why? Because I am dead in Christ Jesus. I am hidden in him. And now the life that I live is Christ living through me and in me. He's in charge, not me anymore. It's a whole new ownership. You see, religion is based on rules and regulations. Religion keeps you in check through punishment and bribe, fear and bribe. And so you are reduced to keeping a set of laws. 
So often if someone says, what, you, what does it being a Christian mean to you? Well, I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do these things and these are the things I try to do and I win points in favor with God and that's what my Christianity is all about. Uh, and so you wind up serving God out of fear. But the gospel is a gospel of grace. And it's based on relationship with Christ. It's a dynamic relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just like a marriage. You are married to him now. So it's not based on religion and rules. It's based on relationship with Christ. Living, vital, exciting. Now let me see if I can illustrate it for you. Lady was married to a pig of a man. He had a list every day. Every morning she got up. There was a list waiting for her of chores and jobs to do in the house. The list would say, today, mop the floors. Today, do the laundry. Today, vacuum the carpet. Today, clean the blinds. Today, do this and this and this. And that would be the list that would be waiting for her every morning she got up. And if for what happened uh, on certain days that he came home uh, and the things on that list was not completed uh, to his satisfaction, he beat that lady. And she struggled through that marriage in pain and agony. And her heart was being trampled on. But one day that cruel, evil man died of a heart attack. That lady had become so hardened towards men, she said, I will never, ever marry again. One day, several years later, she met a wonderful young man. He was entirely different. He was kind. He was compassionate. He treated her with tenderness. And over time, he began to win this lady's confidence back once again. And so in time, they were married. And that lady found a joy she had never known before. She was so happy living with this new husband of hers. She was so thrilled to finally have a loving, caring mate who looked after her. And one day, she was vacuuming throughout the house. Her husband had gone to work, and she was vacuuming in the couch and between the cushions. And it upsucked the piece of paper and she looked at that piece of paper that was behind the couch cushion it was one of the old lists that the former husband had left for her to do and she looked at that list and she began to break down and cry and weep you see she was still doing everything on that list she was still cleaning and vacuuming and cooking the meals at night. She was doing everything she had done before, but this time she was doing it out of joy. This time there was no fear. This time it was because of a relationship that was dynamic that she had with her husband. And so it is. Yes, we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we follow him. Yes, we obey his commandments. But why? Not because I'm afraid he's going to squash me or beat me up if I get out of line, but because I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Uh, He is living in me and I am living in him. And it's a joy. It's a joy to serve the Lord. You see, with the hard ground of religion, we are still in control. We are still basically selfish at heart. And what we do is our life is governed by the letter of the law. And the Bible says the letter of the law killeth. It brings death. And it's based on fear. 
but when you come into relationship. He says, if you love me, then you'll obey me. Because I love the Lord. I love serving him. I love being a witness. Uh, I love getting into his word. Uh, I love living a holy life uh, because I love the Lord Jesus Christ more than anything else. Uh, and it brings such joy and excitement. Uh, it's not based on religion. Uh, religion, uh, the devil has his birds uh, all lined up uh, on the telephone poles, uh, on the guide wires, uh, and they are ready to come down like dive bombers, uh, and they are ready to snatch away the seed of the word. Uh, and you are so religious, uh, and you are so hard, uh, and you've got it all together, and the words of God are snatched right out of your heart uh, and your life doesn't change one bit because we are going through the motions uh, and we're doing the same old same old and we come in and put our time in on sunday morning and we go out in the world unchanged hard ground hard ground take a look at the stony ground look at verses five and six again to remind you And it happened, they sowed the seed, and some fell by the wayside, verse 5, and some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Now, this is the stony ground. you got a ground over here, you got a lot of rocks, and you got a lot of rocks underneath the surface of the ground. And they're there. And what happens is that, 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 that the seed gets down, immediately goes down into that dirt. There's a thin layer of dirt above the surface, the shelf of rock. And it has kind of like a greenhouse effect. And because the rock is there, the rock retains the heat. Uh, and so it is when that seed hits the rock, immediately it springs up. Very hot. Grows very rapidly, very quickly. The stone keeps the heat and stimulates growth. But also the stone, the rock, becomes the very thing that keeps the, the roots from getting deep into the ground. So what happens is the root system is inadequate to handle the growth. These are the impulsive hearers of the word. These are the sensation-seeking Hears of the word. Uh, this is the sensation-seeking crowd. Uh, and their faith goes no deeper than Jesus' last miracle. Than the loaves and the fishes. Now let's look at the description. Turn, if you would, to verse 16 and 17. What does he say about this? These likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And when they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterwards, tribulation, persecutions, arises for the word's sake. Immediately, they stumble. Now, now look at this. First of all, it says it receives the word with gladness. Other translations say receives the word with joy. But it only endures for a time. In other words, when the heat is on, these impulsive hearers begin to wilt. And they dry up. And they die. It's kind of like 4th of July. We just had 4th of July a few weeks ago. Those Roman candles go up in the air. And they go off with a big bang. Uh, but pretty soon they quickly fade out. And trickle to the ground. And the light has gone out. 
They are easily drawn to follow, but they never count the cost. And therefore, when tribulation and persecution comes, they are easily driven away. Now, let me give you some characteristics of this stony ground. First of all, notice again the extremely rapid growth. What happens is they're saved on Sunday morning, week one. Week two, they're teaching a life group. Week three, they become a flaming evangelist traveling all around the country. And by week four, they've already dropped out and are gone forever. You see, their feelings and emotions are easily stirred, but they are all superficial. They receive it with gladness, with joy, enthusiasm, excitement, but it is all surface. There's no questions, there's no debate, but there's also no dying. You ever wonder where some of the members of Faith Assembly of God are at today? Ever wonder where some of those familiar faces you used to see in church every week, they're gone? They're nowhere in sight. They're on the water, they're on the golf course, they're laying at home. Oh, and somehow they believe in God somewhere. And one day they were on fire. They were thrilled. And now they're back to doing their, their old thing. Lady called in one day to a religious program. It was a talk show that was going on in progress. And she asked the pastor who was the guest that day, she said, I used to be in the Jesus, but now I've dropped out of the whole scene altogether. And so the pastor went back and he asked her the big three. And you probably know what the big three are already. First of all, he said, were you reading your Bible? They said, oh, yes, sir, I I was reading my Bible. I read my Bible every day. Well, how about praying? Were you you praying? Well, I I tried praying, but I got no answer, never heard anything, but I yes, I I was praying. Well, were you in fellowship? Lady said, well, I never missed church. There every Sunday, life group, never missed a service. And finally, the pastor says, "Did, did anyone ever tell you about repentance? He said, well, well, I've heard that word, but no one ever explained it to me. The pastor said, well, don't feel bad. You never left God. You never made it in the first place. You see, any decision to follow Christ involves, listen to me, the heart, the head, and the will. You love me with all your strength, your soul, your heart, your strength, and all that's within you. Love God with every part of you. So when you receive Christ, it involves your head, your heart, and your will. And what it means is when I decide to follow Jesus Christ, repentance has the idea of turning an 180 degree turn and going in another direction altogether. So I'm heading in the course of the world, I repent, I turn from my wicked ways, uh, and I follow Christ. That's repentance. It's not, I'm going after the world, uh, I hear a sermon on Sunday, I get excited, uh, but I keep right on going down the same old road I was going. 
Repentance is a change of the will. It is a radical turnaround. Uh, Listen to me. You can cry a bucket of tears. Uh, You can come down this aisle. uh, But the word has to get into the heart and change the will. And it means a radical change of lifestyle. Notice also the shallow ground has rocks underneath that force the roots to go sideways or spread out. Now, because of this, now listen to me. Because of this, the plants depend upon the rain for their survival. Because the root system is very, very shallow. So it's got to receive all its moisture from the topsoil because that's as deep as it ever gets. The roots never get deeper to tap into those underground springs of water. Now, what happens is when you go through the dry season and the sun comes out and the rain stops for months at a time, it bakes the topsoil and kills the plant. Now, I want you to listen to this and I want you to hear it good. The same sun that helps deep-rooted, healthy plants to grow kills shallow-rooted plants. The shallow believers never get planted and their roots never go deep into the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've seen shallow believers who never get planted in church. And what they do is they run from church to church looking for the latest rain. Stay with me here. They hop around from this church. They go to that church. They hop over here looking for the latest fresh anointing. And they wake up in the morning saying, where am I going to find my rain? Because the roots are spreading out, not going down. And then if they come, they happen into faith assembly of God on a Sunday morning. And they maybe come for a while, and then the preacher preaches a message on holiness against sin or brings correction to the body of Christ. I'm going somewhere else. He hurt my feelings. He stepped on my toes today. I want to go somewhere else where it's not quite so hard where there's a lot of joy and peace messages. The roots spreading out, hopping around, looking for that fresh anointing. Notice also he receives the word with joy or gladness. Now, now listen to me. Joy is the result of accepting the gospel, but it's not necessarily the first result. I want to to bounce that by you again. Joy is a byproduct or a response to accepting the word of God, but it is not necessarily the first response. Uh, The first response should be contrition and repentance and sorrow for my sin. My sin that hung Jesus Christ on the cross. 
there ought to be a brokenness in my spirit. Uh, the first response uh, when I come into contact with the Word of God is, Oh, wretched man that I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? That's the first response. I want to tell you the joy will come uh, and the peace will come uh, and that will follow. But in this parable, the Bible says he immediately receives it with joy. Straightway. He uses the word straightway with joy receives the word. The problem is if you straightway receive the word with joy, you will also straightway turn away when difficulties come. And problems come. And tests come. And trials come. You will straightway turn away. It's the fair weathered crew that abandons when it sees the storm coming. When they do those tornadoes and hurricanes down in in Florida and their hurricane season's coming up, you see the weathermen out there. They're they're hanging on to that that, that ledge right there and say, it's blowing, it's getting pretty close. You know, trees are flying by and whizzing in their hair, but they're trying to get that story. Uh, He's hanging on because he wants you to get the latest uh, on what's happening with this hurricane uh, down in the Gulf. But the fair weather believer, as soon as he sees the storm 50 miles off, uh, he's already in his car heading up into the inner country somewhere. <laughs> Notice also the sun. The sun, the word of God says, represents tribulation and persecution. Now, unlike the first parable where the hard ground was attacked by Satan and his flying birds, his flying air command, and we know that is clearly evil. The sun is not necessarily evil. Right? While no one is looking for pain and suffering in their life, I will tell you, it will come, and it's not necessarily all bad. The reality is, Persecution, trials, tribulation comes to everybody. All that are godly in Christ will suffer tribulation. And the same sun that kills some plants strengthens others and helps them to grow. It all depends on what you have done with the rocks in your life. You go to communist countries, they live under the umbrella of persecution and tribulation. And yet the gospel's going forwards. And those believers who are getting saved, uh, when they're told that they're not to serve God or, or have a Bible or a witness uh, or assemble together, uh, they're hiding out in their little houses uh, and they're praying and they're seeking God and their hands are up in the air and they're praising the Lord uh, for His mercy and grace in their lives. In third world countries where there's poverty and brokenness and and, and anarchy and, and all kinds of weird governments. Uh, they are having a great, marvelous harvest that is taking place. Uh, persecution doesn't have to destroy you. It has the potential to make you stronger. It all depends on what am I going to do with the rocks? How do I handle the rocks? Now, let me tell you something about the rocks. The rocks aren't necessarily bad things. The rocks can be good things. You're a little confused right now. You say, Pastor, you've lost me on 
this one. We interpret the word of God when it says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. We read into that, thou shalt have no other bad gods before me. Right? But even good things can keep can get in the way of the very best. We feel that as believers, I have certain inalienable rights. That I have my inalienable rights because the Constitution said so, and because I was born in America, I am endowed with certain inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so we got believers uh, who are pursuing happiness at any cost. And they don't like this wife, uh, they'll divorce it and find another wife because I deserve to be happy. But if our rights get in the way of serving God, those rights can become idols. We have no rights. When we come into the kingdom of God, God says, you lay down your life, you lay down your rights, I'm in charge. Today we have all the language down of Christianity, we have all the Christianese down, but we don't have the power. We we, we have in our mind two classes of Christians. Now follow me here. We have the ordinary Christian. And we say the ordinary Christian has given up his bad things. And then you have the super ordinary Christian who's given up his good things. Uh, and there are people like missionaries and evangelists and, and, and those who have sacrificed everything to follow Jesus Christ. And so we have class A and class B. Christianity is Christ living through us and his lordship ruling over us. You see, we've created a fallacy in our language, even in our appeal. Listen to me. It's like, give Jesus a try. What have you got to lose? Listen, you've got to lose everything. If you're going to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, then follow me. We've got this whole verbiage, this whole mentality. Give Jesus a try. Uh, what, what do you have to lose? Give him a 30-day trial period. So we put Jesus on the 30-day money-back guaranteed trial period, and all of a sudden, day 20, the persecution comes, and we say, ah, that's not what I counted on. Might as well go back to the old way of life. And immediately they receive it with joy. It springs up. They're excited. And bam, the sun comes up. Just as fast as they receive it, they turn away. It's kind of like a pizza philosophy of Christianity. Last night, I uh, we had the power off. But where we were at, there was a lightning storm. The power was off, so... I took the kids out, and we went to Andalini's Pizza on Rivers Avenue, and we ate pizza, and we got one of those great big, huge pies, and we couldn't eat it all, but we tried. And, and, and everybody, you know, on pizzas, listen, you guys can have the anchovies on your pizza. I'll keep the pepperoni, please, and let me have that on 
my pizza. But, but what we do is, is, is we, we want to receive a slice of Christianity. We want to make Jesus a, a part of my lifestyle already. We'll give him Sunday slice. I keep my work. I keep my play. I'll give you Sunday, and I'll tell you what, God, on top of it, I'll squeeze in a quick prayer before we eat our meal. Listen, God doesn't want a slice of your life. He wants all of your life. He wants the whole pie, the whole enchilada. He wants the whole thing. I have a quote I want to read you, and I'm wrapping it up. Stay with me. Do not leave me here. I have a quote I want to read you, and I, I don't like to read long quotes typically, but this is, there's no better way to put it than what A.W. Tozier had to say. Listen to his words. The cross is the most revolutionary thing ever to appear among men. The cross of Roman times knew no compromise. It never made concessions. It won all its arguments by killing its opponent and silencing him for good. It spared not Christ but slew him the same as all the rest. He was alive when they hung him on that cross and completely dead when they took him off of it. That was the cross the first time it appeared in Christian history. With perfect knowledge of all this, Christ said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up the cross, and follow me. So the cross not only brought Christ's life to an end, It also ends the first life, the old life, of every one of his followers. This and nothing less is true Christianity. We must do something about the cross. And there's only one of two things we can do. We can flee it or die upon it. What will you do with the cross? He who has ears to hear this morning, let him hear. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. This morning, what are you going to do with the cross? You can flee it, or you can surrender your heart to Christ, die upon it with him. I've only been able to describe two of the soils today. We'll cover the other two next week. But listen, the birds are gathering. And they want to come in and they want to snatch this seed of the word of God away as quickly as you've heard it. They want you to discard it and say, that doesn't apply to me. I'm okay. I'm a good person. Do a lot of good stuff. Somehow God's going to take me in. Others maybe have made a some kind of confession in the past. You've been real sorry for a lot of the sins you've done. But you haven't given Christ your entire life. You never died. You never repented and turned and gone the other direction. You never dealt with all those rocks beneath the surface and they're still there and they're still keeping you as shallow as ever. Listen, this morning I want to give you a chance to repent, to die, and to follow. 
starts with that first step, saying, God, I need you. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Father, right now, I pray for every person in the house today. Thank you, God, for those that are listening, those that have been watching on television, those that are in the house this morning. I pray, God, you'll deal with their hearts right now. This podcast has been a presentation of Faith Assembly, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Thank you for listening this week.